بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم اللهم صل وسلم على سيدنا محمد وعلى ال سيدنا محمد وبارك وسلم رب اشرح لي صدري ويسر لي امري واحلل عقده من لساني يفقهوا قولي سبحانك لا علم لنا الا ما علمتنا سبحانك لا علم لنا الا ما علمتنا سبحانك لا علم لنا الا ما علمتنا اللهم علمنا ما ينفعنا وانفعنا بما علمتنا وزدنا علما وعملا اللهم نور قلوبنا بعلمك واستعمل ابداننا لطاعتك ووفقنا لما تحب وترضى من القول والعمل والفعل والنيه والهدى انك على كل شيء قدير Beloved brothers and sisters, and dear listeners, dear students, Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. I ask Allah Azza wa Jalla to put barakah in our time and allow us to cover the remaining verses of this surah in a proper manner uh, as much as possible, inshaAllah. We have uh, more than a little ruku' to uh, cover. And uh, we hope, inshaAllah, whatever issues we have come with to the house of Allah and whatever uh, issues we're dealing with in our homes, in our personal lives, may Allah Azza wa Jalla allow us to be able to address those issues in a manner that Allah wants and a manner that will assist us and help us uh, find solutions to our problems. I did not get a chance to finish this ayah last week. So let's go over this one more time, inshallah, before we move on. Ayah number 72. Yet when our revealed verses are recited upon them as clear evidence, you recognize malevolent denial in the faces of those who disbelieve. You see that the people are very upset in anger. How angry are they? When is a person his anger is in his chest, in his heart. But when things go out of control, then that chest, the anger, frustration from your, from your chest moves into your hands, moves onto your face. You can see it on the face, you can read it. The hands start becoming active. Person stands up from his, space, from his seat, begins to walk, and it can go to a degree that you want to go over to the other person and strangle him. That's what happens. If you look at them, these disbelievers, they would nearly attack those who recite our verses to them. Why are they so angry? Because when you know there is solid proof in front of you, you don't like the truth, but it's irrefutable. You do not have a, a, an answer to that truth. You do not have a way to discredit that truth. Then what do people do? They resort to physical violence. Right? When, the, when the proof is against you, you're nailed up against the, against the corner. That's when people start cursing. That's when people start screaming. That's when people start saying all kinds of nonsensical things. If you have a proper proof, you can be cool, calm, collected, and destroy your opponent. But the reason they don't do that, and instead they resort to, want to resort to violence, is because they simply don't have any way to refute the unrefutable, the words of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is what the Qur'an is speaking about. And I was mentioning last week, where we went then on a long tangent on schooling and so forth, is that these things, you'll see that today, that people who follow their desires, deep down, although they claim to follow Allah and His Rasul in the Qur'an, but deep down, nah, as long as the Qur'an says something that I don't like, I'm not gonna take it. So when you, when you recite to them a verse of the Qur'an, they'll get angry. Everyone will find an opinion. You want, a, you want music to be permissible? You want gender mixing to be permissible? You want dancing to be permissible? You want uh, merrymaking to be permissible? You want everything else? You will always find some opinion somewhere. When someone says, brother, this is what Allah and His Rasul have said, the Quran says this, this is what the authentic ulama from all four schools of thought say, people get antsy. People say, okay, forget it. We have to agree to disagree. That's it. I don't have any proof. Where's the proof? Proof is in the pudding. Bring it on if you have it. Well, no, there is no proof. That's why then they'll resort to some other things. Many people will get cut off by their own relatives when they choose to speak the truth. People will say, okay, forget it. We're not going to talk anymore. You have no right. I'm not, I'm not knowledgeable 
on this issue to speak. Exactly, you're not knowledgeable on this issue, so stop doing something which is haram. Right? Something which is not permissible, stop doing that. That's the whole point. Alhamdulillah, there are people who have knowledge, and these are their, their irrefutable fatawa that say what you're doing is involved is haram. So how can we say, I don't have knowledge, hence do not speak to me about this issue. That doesn't really add up. Instead it should be, I am taribul haq I'm searching for the truth, I don't know anything. Thank you for ri- raising this uh, to me, and bringing awareness to this issue, inshallah will change. Let's think about it from our own relatives and friends, ourselves. To what degree, if someone corrects us from, uh, from the words of Allah, the words of the Prophet how quickly are we to say, thank you so much for letting me know. Inshallah, I won't do this. And how many are say, brother, there's differences of opinion. Oh, what are the This is the easy way out from anything. There's difference of opinion. You know, like the, when I was growing up, they used to say, kids would say in school, they'd say, I'm Shafi. Because that time there weren't that many Shafis. Right? So the guy, the teacher, the parent, was like, oh, okay, hands off. He's like, why are you eating McDonald's? I'm Shafi. What is, later on, I was like, what does it have to do with Shafi? There's nothing to do, by the way. There's nothing to do with Shafi for eating McDonald's. But that was a way out. Nowadays, they've changed. It's called Maliki school. And he said, I'm Maliki. So like, okay, khalas, everyone, even the uncles and, the, and all the people of knowledge in the masjid, like, oh, brother, he's Maliki. So khalas, okay, we don't know what he's doing. Fine, I guess so. So this is ittiba' al-hawa. This is what? Following the desires. Not ittiba' al-haq. Allah knows best. The reality is, should be that when a person is corrected, you should say, I'm, I appreciate the fact that you're correcting me. I didn't know. I'm not aware. But this is, this is great knowledge what you shared with me. Because let's look at a new Muslim. Let's look at a new Muslim. They left everything and they came for the truth. That's why you won't see this type of answers. They'll say, no, give me the truth and nothing but the truth and all the truth. I want to hear it as is, the real deal. Don't give me watered down truth. That's what you call talib al-haq. That's what you call someone who is seeking the truth. May Allah make you and I from amongst such people. Right? So you'll see that they get angry when you speak the truth to them from the Qur'an. قُلْ أَفَأُنَبِّيُكُمْ بِشَرٍ مِنْ ذَلِكُمْ Tell them, shall I tell you then what is worse than this? You think following the deen is hard? You think following Islam is hard? Why do I see you so angry when, when the verses of the Qur'an are shared with you? Why are you so angry? Allah says, shall I tell you something that's far worse uh, and it's going to make you suffer way more than whatever little your ego has to suffer when you have to say, I'm wrong and Islam is right. I'm wrong and you, O Muslim, is right. Allah says, An-Nar. Something beyond that, much worse than that, is the fire of Jahannam. That is going to be much worse than that. Allah has promised to, uh, this fire to all those who disbelieve. And a most woeful destination it is. Like Allah Azza wa mentions in Tabuk, I think we talked about it last week. They, the the Munafiqun would say, "La tanfiru fil har." Don't go out in the heat. Why are we going in the heat? Come on, stay back. Like people say, the Hajj is so hot, Arafat is so hot. Why are you going out? So they say, don't go out in the heat. Allah Azza wa says, "Tell them, Ya Rasulullah, qul naru jahannam ashadu harra." The fire of Jahannam is far hotter than any heat of this world. Lo kanu yafqahu. If only they would understand that you are saying you are not only go, not doing what you're supposed to do, you're stopping other Muslims. My beloved brothers and sisters, I warn myself and all of us. What we can't do, may Allah forgive me and you and hope we, you know, we start doing what we're supposed to do. But for Allah's sake, do not discourage others who want to do what's right. Many times, because we are not doing what we're supposed to do, we feel guilty that someone else is doing what, what we're supposed to be doing, but we're not doing. So instead of just saying, make dua one day change, we bring them down. And we say, no. Why are you doing that? Why are you being hardcore? 
Why are you being fundamentalist? Why are you being kebab mein haddi? Huh? Why are you being a thorn? You know what kebab mein haddi means? All right. Kebab mein haddi means you have a kebab. You like shish kebab, kebab, right? Then you've got the bone. I mean, if you had a bone while enjoying your shish kebab and all of a sudden you got a bone, that would, you would hurt yourself on it. You would spit it out, right? So that's what happens. If you're, you're enjoying life, we're having a party, and mashallah, you have to come here and say, hey, yaqi, this is haram. So you call you what? Kebab mein haddi. Because you've come and you've messed up a party. Because you are what they call the haram police. Right? That you say, this is wrong, this is wrong. So these are, yani, people make jokes about these type of things, but this is not something to be jo- joking about. You just think, all these funny things that memes and tweets about haram police, you tell me, ask yourself, ask your heart. If the Prophet ﷺ were to be with us, what will he be doing? Will he be on the side, that, on the side of, the, of the ones who are going to be correcting what's wrong? Or would he be on the side of the people saying, please, don't be haram police, go from here. You ask yourself, ask the fatwa from your heart. What would the Prophet ﷺ be doing? Would he ever be willing to sit down with a, in a gathering in which sin would be taking place? Never. So if as vicegerents of the Prophet ﷺ and people who are flag bearers of the Prophet ﷺ, we have to stand up for what's right. And remind myself and others that I know this is hard pill to swallow, but it's definitely much easier than the fire of Jahannam. Say it nicely. Don't rub it in. Don't say it sarcastically. Say it with wisdom. Say it in, you know, sugarcoat it. There's nothing wrong with saying it in a nice manner. We should present it in a manner that people are willing to listen. Don't say it in a manner that people will refute it. Don't say it while making people feel guilty. Rubbing it in. There's a method and a way to correct. Always by giving an excuse for the person. I talked about this in detail this Saturday's past Team Fajr. If you get a chance, please go ahead and listen to that. Especially for those who are struggling with sons and daughters who are not on the same page, who are becoming belligerent, who are becoming disobedient to Allah and His Rasul. And now you're wondering how to deal with such cases. Alhamdulillah, I spoke about it in quite detail this past Saturday. So on, on how to go about dealing with those things. But this, this requires wisdom. So speak the truth, but speak it in a manner that your audience is willing to accept. One thing, wa'ada, the word wa'ada Allahu ladina kafaru. Allah has promised this fire to those who are disbelievers. The word wa'ada is used usually in good things. Like, I promise you for reward. I promise you for jannah. There are two words. One is called wa'ad, and what's the other one? Wa'id. Wa'ad and wa'id. Wa'ad is for good, wa'id is for evil. You heard this in Urdu as well, wa'id. Wa'id means warnings. Wa'ad is promises. Question is, why did Allah Azza use the word wa'ad for hellfire when it's supposed to be something, which is there's nothing worse than fire? Subhanallah. Ulama explain, استعملت على سبيل الاستهزاء بهم. This has been used as tahakkuman, as a way of sarcasm, making fun of them. Meaning, for example, Allah Azawajal says in Surah Inshiqaq, فَبَشِّرْهُمْ بِعَذَابٍ أَلِيمٍ Give them the glad tidings. Bashara! Give them the glad tidings of a very painful torment. What happens? Guys, I got, I got a gift for you. I got a surprise for you. All the kids are running. Right? They're excited. And then imagine, I throw an exam at them. Pop quiz. Right? Now, subhanAllah, that's much worse than everyone sitting on a boring Monday. It's raining outside. It's like, oh, today, let me just make it worse for you all. Here, pop quiz. But imagine on the other hand, it says, it's a hot summer day, guys, come outside. Let's sit by the water fountain, have class. Everyone's getting excited, got their pens, papers. We're going to enjoy class outside today, mashallah. But in reality, it's a pop quiz. Makes it worse. Because you thought something nice was coming and you got slammed with something you don't want. This is the fitrah. Allah is saying that on the day of judgment, in order to make the pain even more 
worse and to make the punishment even more painful it's going to come in a, in, a, in a very sarcastic manner where you least expect it where they're going to be excited come on, come on let's, let's see what I got prepared for you and when you're expecting some good it's going to be 180 opposite of that well, you know, 180 degree, complete opposite. Just to increase the pain. Allah says, Istighatha means to seek assistance, to seek water, to seek help. You've heard? No? Ghawth means help. Istighatha means to seek help. When they seek help, Jahannamis will seek help in Jahannam. They will be given assistance. Or they'll be given water. Bima'in, but yurath is a, is, a, is a word that's used for goodness. They will be given goodness or uh, they will be given uh, uh, water. Bima'in with water. Kal muhli yashwil wuju. Such scalding, boiling, boiling water that will completely remove the skin from their face. So it's like you're expecting, Ya Allah, you're gonna have mercy on me. You're gonna, I begged you so much. Now what's gonna happen? Some nice, sparkling, cold water is gonna be given. That's what you're expecting. But at that time, when it's switched upon you, and you, Allah forbid, or switched upon the enemy of Allah, and something much worse than that, scolding, you know, boiling water that will remove the person's skin, and will immediately be replaced with another skin, and then which will be burnt away, and then immediately replaced again, so forth. This increases the, uh, the pain. The Mufassir writes, لِأَنَّ إِنْقِبَاضَ النَّفْسِ وَيَأْسِهَا بَعْدَ بَوَادِرِ الْإِنْبِصَاطِ أَشَدُّ مِنَ الْعَذَابِ ذَاتَهُ What powerful words. He says, because the psychological pain that a person suffers, when you had some hope, but that hope has been flipped and switched with absolute torment. That psychological torture that comes at that time is actually worse than the physical torture. It's deep stuff. Right? This is all coming under the word, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has promised the word wa'ad has been used instead of the word wa'id may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protect you and I and our generations from his anger and from the fire of Jahannam ya nas, oh humankind duriba mathalun fastami'ulah a parable here is, uh, is set forth fastami'ulah so listen to it attentively inna ladhina tad'una min dunillah indeed those beings whom you call upon apart from Allah lan yakhluqu dhubaba they can never create so much as even a fly. Even if they were all to come together for that purpose. And if a fly were to rob them of even a mere speck of anything, they could never ever been able to retrieve that speck from that small fly. Most feeble are the seeker, and the one that is sought. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in this ayah says, Ya yuhan nas, O people, all people, men, women, believers, non-believers, duriba mathal. A parable here set forth. Duriba is when you hit something against something with, you know, strong, with, with a lot of physical uh, power. Like they would say, darabna ad-dananir. Darabna ad-dananir. We've made gold coins. What would happen? You would have gold bricks or nuggets and then you would cut them, hit them, break them, um, hammer them with a, some sort of a utensil or some sort of hammer that it would become a coin, flattened coin. And they would engrave on it whatever they needed to engrave. So the process of making a gold coin was included a lot of bashing and hitting on that gold. So this is where the, the word darb comes. Now, darbul mathal 
is, in, is when you take something that is known and you compare, you compare, you take something which is unknown and compare it to what something is known so that your audience understands this uh, nuance or understands this unknown thing, right? It's an example. So, tashbihu shay'in ghayr ma'loom bi shay'in akhar ma'loom. To compare something which is not known with something which is known so that the person in front of you can understand that. And Allah Azza wa Jal mentions a lot of examples of the Qur'an. And that's why the ulama say, وَبِالْمِثَالِ يَتَّضِحُ الْمَقَالِ That when you give examples, then people will understand what is being said. That is why the Qur'an used examples. The Prophet ﷺ used examples. Used all sorts of, uh, you know, examples. So, when we are teaching, it's great to use examples. And we should ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to inspire you and I to become great teachers not only to the audiences and so forth but to our own children all right and the one method of doing doing that is listening uh, listening to great teachers and then who is the greatest teacher the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam and what did he use he used examples who did he learn it from from allah subhanahu wa ta'ala al'allamani rabbi fa adabani rabbi fa ahsana ta'dibi my lord is the one who taught me etiquette and he taught me a beautiful etiquette so the, Allah Azza wa Jal Himself uses examples and hence it's a great way when trying to explain something that we use examples. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala now tells everyone, all, uh, you know, the whole ummah that um, I'm giving you an example and I want you to listen uh, attentively. Alright? So that you can, you can uh, appreciate it and you can practice on what is being said. Think and ponder all of those false idols that you worship. Okay, what can they do? Can they do anything? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, They cannot even create one fly. Allah used the word lan. Lan comes for the future, not past. They will never be able to create. They haven't done it and they won't ever. Meaning Allah Azza wa Jalla is explaining what will happen all the way till the day of judgment. Yeah, the humanity will not be able to create a fly. Allah Azza wa Jalla in one other place he says, Inna Allah la yastahiyan yadriba mathalan ma ba'udatan fa ma fawqaha. Allah is not shy away, Allah does not shy away from giving examples of even a mosquito or something that is even more insignificant than that. Fama fawqaha means, fama fawqaha fi sigari wa dhul. Something which is even more despicable and lowly than a mosquito. Because mosquito is, is not just small, but it's annoying. The noise of it, the sound of it, and then of course when it bites you. Allah says, although I'm great, but I don't mind giving an example of a, using a mosquito or something less than that as well. You, the whole humanity cannot create. Allah could have said one human being. Allah could have said, one range of mountains. Allah could have said one body of water. No, Allah Azza wa took something so simple, small, insignificant, Dhubaba, a fly. Right? For for future years, forever, you will never be able to create something out of non-existence. You will always play around what with what already exists. You will place things, right? Because we call this creation. But in reality it's not creation. What you do is you have a but if you have all the ingredients for biryani and you cook it that's called cooking and putting ingredients together but you cannot say you created biryani because everything that was given to you all the raw materials everything was in front of you so how can a human being creation we want you to create something out of literally thin air 
without any previous raw material. Can we do that? No, we cannot. Where is the soul going to come from? You can make a machine, you're going to make a robot that looks like a fly. But where are you going to create that type of soul and that type of fly? Not possible. Not possible. Allah said in the future also not going to happen. So if all of the humanity put together, of course, cannot do this, then most definitely the idols cannot do that. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is making people think from this example that if they cannot create a, a fly, how can they cre create your future? How can they grant you paradise or hell? We're not going to stop there. Let's take it even one step lower than that. You can't create it? Chalo. How about if a fly comes, sits on the, the meat that you slaughtered in the name of this idol, and you place it in front of it as a sacrifice for the idols? Naturally, blood is going to be flowing there. It's fresh meat. What's going to happen? You're going to have hundreds of flies coming, sitting on it. They don't just sit on it. They sit there for a reason, on that blood, on that meat, on, and so forth. When they sit on it, what's happening? They're going to be taking something on it. They're going to take something on their little teeny tiny microscopic legs. They're going to have something on their little nostrils. They don't just sit there. They're there for a purpose, for the food. You have honey. They don't just sit there. They're there for a purpose. Now imagine, can you possibly grab one of these flies, first of all? How hard that is? Huh? You tried grabbing flies? Right? right? Grab it with your hand. It's not easy. <coughs> Very hard. But now you grab it, and then after that, you grab the honey off of its legs. All of it. Not, you can't leave anything. 100% <coughs> of it, take off of it. How is that possible? Can the idol do it? Allah is not even talking. If this fly were to take away, rob them of a mere speck of anything, they can never even retrieve from it. The ulama them, uh, have spoken, you know, let, we, we will let you go do your own reading on this <coughs> into the anatomy of a fly and what more amazing secrets are hidden in a fly uh, and how this ayah, based on what modern, current, scientific, a discovery regarding the fly will tell you how this ayah will even make even more amazing sense, right? But the gist of it from a simple explanation is that it is something not possible, something so small that, you know if you have a little kid, he comes and grab, grabs something for you and you can't grab that back, that's pretty shameful, right? Your younger sibling, your younger brother or someone on the street just comes and takes your hat and runs away and you're sitting there as an adult or an older brother and you're helplessly sitting there like, oh my God, this is gone. Where's your, where, where are you? Like, I mean, where's your physical strength? How can, you, how can you not avenge yourself? Well, this is not a young child, not a five-year-old, a ten-year-old. This is a tiny insect, a small little fly that he has taken away something from you and you cannot bring it back. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, talib. Both of them are weak. Talib is... Um, the fly, the fly itself is very weak, and those who is who are who are trying to um, go after that fly are weak. Or you could say the idols are weak, and those who are worshiping the idol are weak. Whatever you want to say, the people who are trying to go after the fly, they're useless, and or the people who are worshiping the idols. The one who is sought, who is sought out for, and the one who is a seeker, both of them are weak. The only one who is strong is Allah. Ma qadarullah Allah Azza wa says, thus they have not 
properly appreciated Allah, esteemed Allah with His rightful esteem. مَا قَدَرُ اللَّهُ They have not esteemed Allah, they have not appropriately appreciated Allah the way He ought to be appreciated. إِنَّ اللَّهَ لَقَوِيُّنَ عَزِيزٌ Indeed, Allah alone is more surely all-powerful, overpowering. Many scholars and ulama, when they read this, you know, they begin to, 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 to tremble when they go through this ayah. That subhanAllah, Allah Azawajal is saying, like really, what's wrong with you? How shameful. I have done from beginning A to Z everything for you. Right? Everything I've given you from A to Z, every single thing. And all I'm asking you is to appreciate, to recognize. When a father sits there and he sees Allah forbid that never happened to us. He sees a son, a daughter who's become so ungrateful, undutiful, that they just look at, into the eyes of the father and mother and say, who are you? I don't know you. I've got nothing to do with you. What have you done for me? That is a heartbreaking day. And we hope we never have to see that day. And those who are, have seen that day, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala guide their children. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bring their children back to hidayah and guidance. But the idea is, it's one of the most hurtful things. That really, who, is there someone besides me who you have uh, you know, to appreciate? I can't, what, like, what did I not do for you that you have the audacity to come and say that what have you done for me? Who are you? I don't know you. Imagine Allah Azza wa telling us, like how come you don't respect me? How come you don't honor me? How come you don't appreciate me? How come you don't value me? Who is there besides me? As Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in another place, Ya yul insan, O human being, Ma gharraka bi rabbikal kareem. Who has deceived you? What has deceived you regarding your most generous, honorable, caring, and loving Lord? Why is it that you look in the other way? Why is it always you raise your hand somewhere else? You pick up the phone to call someone else. You open up your wallet for something else. When is it that you raise your hand to ask me, to call me? They say, Ya Allah, I've got you. We always say, I've got this friend, got that friend, I got this black credit card, that bl- this credit card, I got this friend, this lawyer, this doctor, Fulan. We've got everyone that we say we've got as backup. How many of us are saying, I've got, Allah is mine? Allah is mine. I'm His, He's mine. Khalas. Allah will take care of me. Hasbi Allah wa ni'mal wakil. Allah is sufficient for me. He's the best of caretakers. When is that going to come from the heart? That's what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying. That who, who has given you more? Imagine the dad, mom sees. Why, have you, why do you want to run away from the home? Find me one person who has given you more than your mom and dad have. We want to see that person. We really want to come face to face to see who is this person for the past 22 years has fed you, clothed you, took care of your expenses, not before that, given birth to you, took care of you when you're a little newborn, more than your mom and dad. Why is it that you decide to turn somewhere else? Well, let's see this person. So Allah would also ask us, who is there that have ter- who's turned you away from your most generous Lord? And that your attention is going towards someone else besides Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Right? Ma qadrullah. They have not. Qadara means to measure. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is not some measurable uh, being, not some material being. Another place, another meaning of qadara means to constrict or tight. As Allah tighten. Allah says, Wa'amma faqadara alayhi rizqahu. As for the one who gets tested and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala constricts his rizq. The one upon whose risk has been constricted, then he should spend upon his wife or his ex-wife or his wife rather from that which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given him. Right? So these are different meanings of qadr. Uh, also, Very important, we covered this in Surah Anbiya. Yunus alayhi salam, he thought, what is qadr yaqdiru? Qadara yaqduru means to be capable. Qudrat. But this is lannaqdira. This is qadara yaqdiru. Different. Very important. 
I know we explained it when we covered it in that ayah, in that surah. Yunus salam thought that we are not going to be capable of grabbing him, grasping him. Is that right? Is that the right translation? Yunus salam thought we, yani Allah, is not capable of holding him, of taking him to task. How is that possible? How can a Nabi ever think that Allah can't grab him, Allah can't catch him? That's, a'udhu billah, that's not, that is not iman. So that's not that, because that's from a wrong verb. This is, لَنَّقْدِرَ not لَنَّقْدَرَ لَنَّقْدِرَ means, he thought we will not constrict and tighten his affairs. He thought we'll let him go and not make his, we're not gonna hold him accountable, basically. When he left the nation without permission. And eventually, the hoot swallowed him. Right? That story. La ilaha illa subhanak So that's another meaning of qadr. Here, in this case, the qadr is speaking about valuing, esteem. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying here that the people have not respected Allah the way they ought to have respected Him. Ulama say that's why low arafnahu la abadna. No, لو عرفناه لا أحببناه ولو أحببناه ولا طعناه. If we were to know who Allah is, we would have fallen in love with Him, and if we were to fall in love with Him, we would have definitely worshipped Him. Huh? That's what it is. Why are mom and dad not not appreciated? Because people forget what they have done. Simple as that. Our memory. We suffer partial, you know, partial amnesia. We just forget all the things that our parents have done for us, and we just think about the strictness that they had for our good. So what happens? A person thinks that this thinks about all the tough things that oh this is problematic, this is problematic. Allah Azza wa Jal, if we truly knew who He was, we would have fallen in love with Him, and if we were fallen in love with Him, we would have worshipped Him. Inna Allah laqawiyun aziz. Allah, what is a sifa? What is a connection between qawiyun aziz with the previous verses? Allah Subhanahu wa Taala says. That the you just talked about the idols, how useless and weak they are, and we talked about those who worship the idols are useless and weak. Weak, as opposed to that, Allah is qawi. Allah is all powerful. Aziz is overpowering. Qawi, all powerful. Qawiyun anil abid, qawiyun anil ma'bud. Allah subhanahu wa taala is all powerful. He does not need the worshipper. We usually need. I'm going into battle. I'm going to meet someone. Can you all become my? Can you all show strength and join me behind? Stand, you know, take my back. Stand behind me. What happens? You benefit from numbers. Allah does not need numbers. Allah Azza wa Jal does not need numbers. Allah Azza wa Jal does not need numbers. Just remember that. If the whole world, as it comes in Hadith Qudsi, لو أن أولكم وآخركم وإنسكم وجنكم كانوا على أفجر قلب رجل واحد منكم ما نقص ذلك من ملكي شيئا. If the first and the last, men and women, humans and jinn, everyone put together, were all were to become like the worst man to have ever walked on the surface of the earth. All of them were to become like the Fir'aun, Qarun, Haman. All of them, all humanity, all jinn, all men, all women, that would not decrease in my might, my grandness, my greatness, and my kingdom in the least. And of course, before that, the hadith is, لو أن أولكم وآخركم وإنسكم وجنكم 
كانوا على اتقى رجل واحد كانوا على اتقى قلب رجل واحد منكم ما زاد ذلك في ملكي شيئا وكما قال عيسى السلام if the first and the last men and women young and old human and jinn were to become like the best person like rasulullah sallallahu you have 6 billion people like rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam and billions and trillions of angels and billions and trillions of jinns like Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam, it would not increase in Allah's greatness in the least. You say Allahu Akbar all day, Allah is still Akbar. Allah forbid, you don't say Allahu Akbar. Allah forbid, someone says Allahu Asghar. Doesn't make a difference. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the greatest all the time. So Qawi, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is most surely all powerful. He is not in need of any worshiper. So when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says stop worshiping idols, it's not like he is feeling Billah, jealous that I'm losing followership. You know, followership. You know, I'm losing subscribers. Another channel is becoming more famous. So now I gotta sit there and speak ill about the other channel or speak ill about another institution or speak ill about another store this is not what it is qawi i don't need you allah says qawi i'm strong i don't need anyone antum hamid you are the ones who are in need of allah and allah subhanahu wa ta'ala al-ghani worthy of all praise al-ghani not in need of anyone al-hamid worthy of all praise number 2 allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is not only qawi he doesn't need the um, the, the worshiper he is additionally beyond that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala if he wants to take on the ma'bud who's the ma'bud referring here the idols or Isa alayhi salam or Uzair alayhi salam or shaitan or anyone else that people worship Allah azza wa can destroy anything Allah can take out anyone so Allah azza wa is saying Aziz I'm all, I'm all overpowering that you are putting me face to face with the idols as a god. You may, anyone you make a sharik, anyone you choose to make them a partner of mine, it's as though you're pitting them against me. And any war and battle against Allah, what's going to happen? Al-Aziz, Allah is overpowering. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is qawi with regards to the worshippers. And Allah is aziz with regards to the worshipped ones. The worshipped ones, whether they are idols or whether they are some other human being, you, yani Allah Azza wa Jal can overpower any other fake ma'bud and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is all powerful that he does not require and need the presence of any worshipper he asks you to worship him for your own benefit this is what um, you know subhanallah we learn from here haqqa qadri is important to, to understand here not only you need to have esteem for Allah and have respect but you need to fulfill the right of it as well. This is mentioned, Nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam, when he would worship Allah more than any human being. You, mem- you might have seen some scholar, or you might have seen some pious person, you might have seen some old elderly lady worshiping Allah immensely. Put them all the pious people that have ever come, that are here, and that will ever come, put together. And can you compare that to the ibadah of Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam? His two rakah salah. Compared to someone who prays two rakah salah for, say, 24 hours, non-stop. I'm going to give you an example. Can compare his two minutes. Because that ma'rifah of Allah, how should we say it? You take two, two moving modes of transportation. You have a very fast bicycle that starts off exactly at 9 p.m. in a, one direction. And you have a fighter jet that is going at Mach 3 at also 9 p.m. 
right? And say, let's meet, let's see what happens within an hour. You can't compare the time. Where is that bicycle going to reach in one hour? And where is this fighter jet in uh, Mach 3 going to reach in one hour? Or uh, a, a spacecraft going to reach in one hour? And you can't compare it. Because why? It's what's the engine inside it. Don't look at the time. Look at what engine they're running off of. Here's one is running off of the physical strength of someone's you know, feet, leg muscles. And there you've got these huge jets that are propelling this. You have Rasulullah salah and someone else's salah. You've got the heart of Rasulullah. That's got the ma'rifah of Rasulullah. That's got the ikhlas of Rasulullah. That has the iman of Rasulullah wasallam. There's no comparison to that. So now this, that's why Rasulullah wasallam salah and ibadah is next level. We cannot compare it to any... All humanity put together cannot equal that. Yet Rasulullah wasallam says, مَا عَبَدْنَاكَ حَقَّ عِبَادَتِكَ Ya Allah, we haven't worshipped you the way you ought to be worshipped. After worshipping him all day, all night, every day, for his whole life, his one day's ibadah is more than our entire lives of ibadah. No doubt, in seven generations above and seven generations later. Imagine what type of ibadah of 63 years must look like. And what does he say? Ya Allah, we haven't worshipped you the way you ought to be worshipped. All we can say is, we can't even simply praise you the way you ought to be praised. Forget about worshipping you. We can't even praise you the way you ought to be praised. What can I say? You are, simply put, you are the way you have praised yourself. That's it. I don't have any other words. You are the way you praise yourself. Think about Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen, which are words of praise. If Allah did not teach us this, if Allah did not send this verse to Rasulullah would you and I know this? If Allah did not teach us, Subhanallah, Alhamdulillah, La ilaha illallah, Allahu Akbar, via the Prophet would we know this? No. What is the value of Subhanallah? Tamla'ul Mizan. It will fill up, Subhanallah has the power of filling up the entire scale on the Day of Judgment. If you say with ikhlas, it's sufficient to make your scale heavy. One, Subhanallah. Subhanallah has the ability, one, Subhanallah, to become a means of a beautiful tree being planted in Jannah that will last for eternity. Last for eternity. Hundreds of years a person will travel in its shade and will not be able to come to the end of it. Imagine that tree is one dot in your plantation, in your garden in paradise. Imagine how big your garden is going to be, inshaAllah. So now, we are now, we must thank Allah for teaching us, Alhamdulillah Rabbil Alameen. We have to thank Allah for teaching us, SubhanAllah, Alhamdulillah. La ilaha illallah, Allahu Akbar, Subhanallah wa bihamdihi, Subhanallah al-Azim. In any other way, you praise Allah. Who taught you that? Allah did. So how have you thanked Him? Uh, Subhanallah, Alhamdulillah. Well, guess what? Who inspired you to do that? Because most people don't say that. That also Allah. Well, who, in, who inspired you to thank Allah for the fact that you thanked Allah? That's also Allah. So this is musalsal continuously. This will continuously happen till you die. That you will never be able to come out of the indebtedness to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is what we're learning from here. You don't just value Allah, you, have to, you don't just have, do not just hold Allah in high esteem. But it's rather the rightful way, the amount that is, that is, that is, that is meant for Him. Uh, Allah Azza wa says, 
Another place, وَمَا قَدْرُ اللَّهَ حَقَّ قَدْرِهِ People have, have not valued Allah, have not appreciated Allah the way He ought to be appreciated. إِذْ قَالُوا When they said, مَا أَنزَلَ اللَّهُ عَلَىٰ بَشَرٍ مِّنْ شَيْءٍ Surah Al-An'am That Allah has not revealed on the human beings anything. يعني no human being has received revelation from Allah. This is all fake. When you say something like this, O Kuffar, what have you done? You have accused of Allah, you have accused Allah of punishing you on the Day of Judgment without proper warning without sending a message to you before while Allah is the most just how could he expect his servants to worship him without having sent down a prophet so this is a lie when people say Allah has not revealed anything on his prophet this in reality is a zulm upon Allah you have not worshipped Allah you have, rather you have not respected Allah Azza wa Jal the way you ought to be respected. That is what we are learning from here. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says another place in Surah Al-Imran, Ya Allah, O believers, ittaqullah, fear Allah. MashaAllah, Mawlana Arshad Madini Damul Barakatuh who came here yesterday, we're blessed to have him here at Dhuhr. Salah, if you can, that talk is also available on our YouTube channel. If you missed it, please go listen to it. It's 25 minutes with a 15 minute translation or 10 minute translation. He talked about taqwa, very beautiful, such a nice discussion on taqwa. Um, and so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala here says, have taqwa. When quickly, one point I just want to mention from yesterday, what he said is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Ya ayyuhallavina amanu taqullah. And most places, that's what it comes. Amanu, O people of iman have taqwa. So he was just telling us, number one point is that just because you have iman does not mean you automatically have taqwa. This is a clear indication that if a person has faith, does it not automatically mean he has taqwa? That is an added thing you have to bring into your life. That's an added thing you have to bring in your life. So people, they'll say, you know, there's Muslims, so you can expect all Muslims to do business fairly. You can, you can expect Muslims, if you let's go to a Muslim store, everything's got to be halal. Not just ingredients-wise, but buying and selling-wise. I'm sure every business is going to be all 100% kosher, halal. No, not necessarily. Not necessarily you marry into a Muslim family, everything's gonna be right. Because you have to see whether they have taqwa or not. It's easy to say, I'm a Muslim and I won't do anything wrong. No, where's a taqwa? Taqwa, the proof is in the pudding. Taqwa has to come into your actions. Well, how much taqwa? One basic level of taqwa is, I'm going to stay away, protect myself from the wrath of Allah through being a believer. I'm not a mushrik, I'm muttaqi. That's a very bare minimum level of taqwa. Haqqa tuqati. You need to have fear of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala the way he ought to be feared. Wow. If a person says that, you know, there's a level of awe I have from my father, then from my mother, then from my grandparents, and the list goes on. Then it'll be from, some, some, a, from a police officer, law enforcement person. You know, the list goes on different, different ways the fear is there. Then from a king. Naturally, someone who has full, in, in, a, in a tyrannical, uh, you know, leadership under a tyrant, a person would be very afraid to say something out of line. Otherwise, he may lose his home, his house, his, his, his family, his life, everything. Based on how much there. When you look at how much power Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has, it's not just pull the plug. Pull your eyelids out. Pull your eyelashes out. Right? Pull your intestines out. Make you suffer a heart attack. Right? Make you choke on that. On, on, on what? Not on a bone. On water. Drinking water, you can choke on it. Anything can happen any second. Make you stop being able to pass urine. Right? Make you stop being able to digest your dinner. 
How much pain instantaneously can happen? Allah has full control of every aspect of our body, every aspect of our psychology, every aspect of our emotions, every aspect of our finances, every single child of ours, every single spouse, every single parent, sibling, all of that is under Allah Taala's control. And not in the dunya. More importantly, if I can say, in the akhirah. Where we're headed is going to be based on His decision. So then, do we fear Allah to that degree? Don't just say, I have taqwa. To what degree is your taqwa? To what degree? It's not a joke to say, Brother, I'm a weak Muslim. You, you know, it's not a joke. People say, oh, you know, inshallah, please make dua for me. Allah forgive me and just move on. You know, we just, I don't know these statements, how we take it lightly. I, I'm a weak Muslim. We're all weak Muslims, but we can't be happy with that. We have to say, may Allah forgive me. I'm not proud of it. I'm not going to wear it on my sleeve. I've been trying to change. I'm trying to become a better Muslim. And I only have hope in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's mercy. Right? That's true. I only have a hope in Allah's mercy, but I'm going to try every day to make it better than the previous day. So when you have taqwa, haqqa tuqati, you have to have taqwa equivalent to how much Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala deserves. That is what we're uh, learning over here. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, may He grant you and I the ability to have, you know, value Him, appreciate Him, love Him the way He ought to be He loved. And may He allow us to fear Him the way He ought to be feared. Right? Allahu yastafi min al-mala'ikati rusulu wa min al-nas. It is Allah alone who chooses messengers from the angels. Rusulan, messengers. Malaika um, from the angels. And yastafi rusulan min al-nas. He chooses angels. He chooses, sorry, messengers from the people. In Allah Sami'un Basir, indeed Allah is all hearing, all seeing. Allah Azza wa Jal mentions now, this is very dis- important discussions we've had so far. Now where is, where are we, yani is this Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala just wants us to keep this knowledge? No. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants this knowledge to move on. People need to, people need to, Share this knowledge with others. How does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala expect us to share this knowledge with the world? Allah azawajal sends prophets. After you have iman on, on the divine aspects of our deen, Allah, His attributes, His names, what comes the next thing? You have to believe in prophethood. Hence, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has chosen. What is istifa? Istifa means from a large pool, you choose a few. As our, you know, some of the ulama have given example, when you go fruit shopping, you have a big, large pile and heap of fruits. All of us do that when you go for grocery and shopping, vegetables and fruits. You look at six apples, you choose one. You look at five boxes of strawberries, you, look, you choose one. Right? So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, is, what does He have? Choice, istifa is different. If I have to choose, when you choose, it depends on your pool. If you have a very large pool, then what you choose is gonna be a, it's gonna be quality, yeah. If you have to choose between two, there's not much choice there. If you have to choose between two hundred, better. Between two thousand, better. Between twenty thousand, even better, like that. Allah Subhanahu wa Taala has the entire all humanity, as mentioned in Hadith. Allah Subhanahu wa Taala had the whole humanity in front of Him, and from every single billions and billions of humanity, Allah Subhanahu wa Taala chose the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam. And who did he choose him? Not only from the billions and billions and billions of people, which is already an amazing, massive sample of people to choose from. But then he chose them from all of those 124,000 who he's going to choose as messengers. But he didn't even just choose from that 124,000 that have come from billions. He chose from those 313 
who are rusul, who are not just prophets, who are messengers with their own distinct books. And he didn't just choose from those 313, a smaller subcategory of five, ulul azam, the most honorable of these 313. And Rasulullah was chosen from that. So it is a chosen from a chosen from a chosen from a chosen. And then his family, every single, as he mentioned in the beautiful hadith, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has chosen his tribe and uh, in his and, and even his companions, all were chosen for the Prophet, and his wives, all were chosen for the Prophet ﷺ. So, you can choose from, uh, from, uh, from uh, the humanity only, or you can choose from all creation. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala chose messengers separately from humans, and then messengers from angels. Then you're going to say, what are we talking about over here? Where angels are messengers? Didn't we always talk about people, the kuffar will always say, why isn't Muhammad sallallahu an angel? Why isn't the Quran revealed an angel, right? Quran refutes that. What does that mean? It's supposed to mean. Well, it means that the angels for the human, be- I'm sorry, the prophets for the human beings have always been, and logically it makes sense that they should always be pro- humans. Because an angel cannot be a good example for a human being because we have biological needs. We have all sorts of physical needs. And so an angel would not be a good example because he doesn't have those needs. But when it comes to the angels themselves, how do you pass on the message to them? Not to say through a Quran or a book separately, but whatever way Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants to communicate with the angels, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala also has amongst them different jobs. Some angels are chosen specifically to deal with us human beings. Like Ibn Jibreel and Israfil and Malakul Maut and you know, all the other angels around us who are writing our uh, Mikail and those who are writing our Book of Deeds, etc. Kiram and Katibin and so forth. So the angels themselves are divided to angels that are chosen to serve us or take care of our needs and angels that are not dealing with human beings. Because there are billions and trillions of unseen angels that do not come in contact with us. They don't even, has nothing to do with us. In a whole different world. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is speaking about those angels who have a connection with us. Like Jibreel, Mikael, Israfil, Malik al-Maut. Like I said. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has chosen them. And the rest of them, Allah has chosen them for His ibadah. They have nothing to do with us. They are known as Malaika Al-Aloon. Some have said they are known as what? Malaika Al-Aloon. When Allah Jalla Jalalu spoke to Iblis, and Iblis said, ah, I'm not going to do sajda. Allah, what did He say? Astakbart. Are you acting arrogant in front of me? Am kunta min al-alim. Or are you from the alim? Alim could mean simply, like you may have heard the translation, are you from the arrogant ones? Are you from the ones who think of yourselves to be lofty and superior? But another meaning here, alin is, do you think you are from the alin angels? The alin angels. Why the alin angels? They do not have to make sajda with the rest. Because they're in their own universe, their own world. Allah addresses them separately. They all got their work chalked out for them. For example, some of them are been in sajda since the time of inception. Till the time the world will fall apart. Trillions, billions, hundreds of, I mean, whatever, hundreds of millions or billions of years. Allah knows how many. Their whole job is sajda. 
Another one, whole job is ruku. Another one, whole job is tasbih, etc. So they are nothing. To, they are not in our realm with the angels. Uh, sorry, with the um, jinn and the human beings. So they are alim. Allah subhanahu wa taala has chosen them for different things. In Allah sami'an basir. Allah subhanahu wa taala listens. Sami'ah has to do with your, the voice. Basir, seeing, to do with actions. Meaning, Allah jalla jalalu is saying. That the prophets and anyone who walks in the footsteps of the prophets, when you do the work of deen, like you want to invite your relatives towards what is right, then be prepared, you are going to hear and you're going to face opposition. You're going to hear things that are going to break your heart. Try that. Go home and speak to your spouse. Or those of you listening at home, try to speak to your spouse about some aspect of the deen. Try to speak to your kids about the deen. And it'll, it'll rile people up. So, what are you talking about? People don't want to listen. If you want to speak the truth, my dear brothers and sisters, then that's what you have to be prepared to handle. Allah is watching you. Sami'un. He's hearing how people respond to you. When you speak the truth, how they make fun of you, how they attack you, how they try to uh, you know, discredit you, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is listening to all that speech. And number two, Basir, Allah is watching how they try to repel your da'wah, what actions they take. If it's physical attack, if it is some other way that they try to attack the prophets or in those who do the work of the prophets, basir, it's all happening under the watchful eye of Allah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows what lies before them and what lies behind them. Aidihim, what lies before them, what lies behind them. Indeed to Allah alone are all matters returned for a just judgment later on. In this ayah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is mentioning that the end result is that Allah has not created His creation to let them do whatever they want. He created them for a specific wisdom. And He created a very clear ending in which each one will be punished or rewarded for his or her good deeds and bad deeds. So whoever tires himself in the path of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, inviting people, doing that which is right, being patient in the face of hardship, then he will get his reward. And whoever became a thorn in their path of such people by using harsh language, by physically attacking them, etc., etc., then he will also face the punishment from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And the end result, Allah will decide who's right and who's wrong. We all, if, you, if you are continuously keep on putting thorns in the path of truthfulness, then a person will have to suffer the consequences tomorrow. We'll see one more thing here, is that in the next ayat, after Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us, we believed in Allah, we believed in the prophets, now Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is going to tell us about the methodology of leading our life, the way that we lead our life, this has been brought to us by the prophets. And this method of leading our life in reality, my brothers and sisters, is in one sense, mukhtasar. In one sense, it's short, concise. These are your do's and these are your don'ts. And then after that, what? After that, you figure out on your own. Every single thing is not going to be controlled by Allah. Every single, meaning controlled by Allah, I mean, I mean dictated that you have to do this and you cannot do this. 
There are many, 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 many things that which are mabah, permissible. Just don't eat these things. Besides that, you can eat whatever you want. We're not going to command you to eat everything. Eat what you like. Right? This is your work. When parents tell their kids, do your homework, and after that, do whatever you want. It takes you three hours to do your homework. Two hours to memorize your lessons. That's it. Then the rest of the evening, you do whatever you want. We're not going to sit there and tell, micromanage you for every single second. You want to read a book? Read a book. You want to ride your bike? Ride a bike. You want to play games? Go Whatever it needs to be. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has kept it open for us. These are things you do. These are things you don't do. The rest of it, you, fig- you guys figure, you all figure it out. Not every single thing where we have taqeeed from Allah that no, this is you know, laws governing that you have to have to do this. Hence you have what we call ijtihad. There are things in which they are we use our intelligence that Allah has given us in the light of the Quran and the Sunnah and the statements of the ulama of the past that we make decisions. And will all ijtihad be right? No. Some ijtihad will be right, some ijtihad will be wrong. And that's fine. But as long as you use a proper methods to arrive at the conclusion, even if what you arrived at the conclusion was wrong, you will still get the ajar. You will still get the ajar. Got it? Subhanallah. Imagine this. So people say, why is there a difference between ulama on such such issues? Brother, there's a difference because Allah wanted that difference to be there. It's, it's easy. It's not my way or the highway. Only one way. There are 200 places in which there's a difference of opinion. Where? In salah. Doso, ikhtilafi masail in namazme. 200. It's fine. You pray your five times daily salah according to the way your ulama have taught you. You'll be fine. If someone puts their yani, hand on his chest, someone puts it under the navel, someone uh, raises their hands in, before ruku, someone doesn't. Alhamdulillah, they're all based on the, on the different ahadith. I'm not saying you go cherry picking or whatever the case may be, mix and match, you'll mess things up. Try, try to take an Atkins diet with a no-carb diet, with a less-carb diet, and khalas, you'll have, mashallah, every single day eating gummy bears. This will be some new diet. Right? So when you mix and match diets, it's a mess. Similarly, if you mix and match fiqh, it's a mess. You follow one school of thought, whatever it is, from the four schools of thought, follow that. And alhamdulillah, you don't have to feel guilty about it. The haqq inshallah is within the four. That's there. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala now in this last verse, last two verses, explains to us that the manhaj and the, method, the methodology which, which the deen has reached us. Alright? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Ya amanur ka'u. Oh you who you believe, bow in prayer. That's the most important thing, iman. After you do your iman, you have to pray. But what are the most salient features of salah? What stands out the most? Ruku and sajda. You're standing there, I could just be like this. Just like this. You don't even know if there's human. It's like maybe I'm just waiting in line for something. Waiting for my plate of food. But ruku and sajda are very unique in the sense that it shows humility that you would never do ruku and sajda in front of a human being. You might stand in front of a human being. You might sit down in a tahiyat tashahud position. Yeah? Like you're, many of you are sitting right now. But how, you would not go into ruku and sajda in front of your parents or your teacher or anyone else. So this ruku and sajda has a manifestation of ubudiyah. True, you know, uh, worship, uh, a true servitude to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That is why that has been specifically mentioned over here. Right? Oh believers, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is asking all the believers. Why didn't Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speak to the disbelievers? Because the disbelievers have to first accept Islam. So let's not talk to them right now. Let's talk to the believers. Amanu. Alright, oh you who believe. Irka'u. 
you, you, that you sit there and you do ruku and sajda and you pray. Some, some ask, why does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speak to the believers and ask them? Like Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Quran, Ya yulladhina amanu aminu. Oh believers, have faith. When they already have faith. It means have istiqama on that. One alim, he explained it so nicely. He said, Ya yulladhina amanu, the way Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks to the people of Iman, it's as though Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is prefacing what he's about to say with some kind words. The way you, you, you want to speak to the hikmah and the wisdom is when you want to speak to someone, a son, daughter, whatever the case may be, if you want to ask them to do something, you praise them for what they have done so far. MashaAllah, you're such an obedient kid. You're always doing right. And then can you do this? You've prefaced that. You've already set the trajectory for them. For the past day, you've been such a good kid. Well, continue being a good kid by doing this. So Allah is as though He's speaking to us, You are MashaAllah already people of Iman. You already have people who have accepted my message. You've already the people who believe in me. You're great. Now let's take it to the next step. Do this, this, this. Right? So how nice it is that when we are speaking to each other, that we highlight the good that people are doing. May Allah give us the tawfiq to do this. Highlight the good. This is more encouraging as opposed to highlighting the negativity, which many times we do. Then they want to do something also, then they won't do it because we highlight the negativity. Right? Makes sense? So highlight the positive things that and com- positive components of people. Ya yuladin amrukaru is a very positive component of the pe- of the people of belief. Irkaru was judu, as we said, talking about the most salient aspects of um, salah. Allah Subhanahu wa Taala he mentions uh, Rasulullah rather says al ahdu ladi bainu bainu salah. The main thing between us and the disbelievers is salah. This is the main thing. Faman tarakaha, whoever leaves it, faqad kafar. He has disbelieved. As-salatu imaduddin. Man aqamaha faqad aqamaddin. Wa man hadamaha faqad hadamaddin. Salah is the most important pillar of Islam. Whoever establishes it, establishes Islam. Whoever destroys it, is destroyed Islam. My beloved brothers and sisters, we cannot expect any political progress. We cannot expect any assistance and help for the Muslim ummah anywhere in the world if we do not fill up the masajid. May Allah give us tawfiq. Go around to the Muslim countries. Go around. People are so... Masajid are now a, a what? Beautiful masjids across the Muslim world. And the new masjids are being built and historical masjids are being built. What have they become? Hmm? Tourist attractions. Bus. You go, for example, you go to, I was in Turkey a while ago. Right? SubhanAllah, people say, let's go see the masjid. Okay, let's go see the masjid. How about we go see the masjid during Salah time? Kya hale? It's like you're praying Salah in a mall. And you can't pray Salah. It's so much disturbance. We saw all the main masjids that you go visit, the main famous ones. You have tour buses upon tour buses upon tour buses. Everyone is just with cameras. Mostly non-Muslims or Muslims acting like non-Muslims. There's no one there to pray. Right? Then Salah time. Yes, people go back and there's you know, a few minutes to pray. And then what again? Back to Dukan Kuliya. Like people are coming, tour buses are coming, people are watching around. And looking around. And then people say, no, this new masjid got built. We got to go, go there. Go there and see what? You throw money, you can build anything. People look at this chandelier. I'm like, yeah, you throw more money, you get a bigger chandelier. So what? What is this? There's nothing to come see. You have to go see amal. That's what brings life. Otherwise, just go and see architecture. A church also can have a very nice architecture. A temple can have a very nice architecture. What does architecture do to us? Yes, if you're saying, I'm going on an architectural tour, then call it an architectural tour. This is not an Islamic tour. Maybe you could call it Islamic architecture tour, fine. But that has nothing to do with ruhaniyat and spirituality. It has nothing to do with you becoming a better person. What hurts us when we see the masajid empty, right, all over the Muslim world. 
massive neurons build, being built for 25, 30 million dollars. When I look at all these masajid that I was visiting, I would say, subhanAllah, you could run massive madrasas here. There's so much space that in every corner you could have halaqa. You could have halaqa of dhikr, halaqa of dua, halaqa of, of fiqh over there, halaqa of hadith. Right? So much potential, but being missed out. And may Allah save all of our masajids from becoming like that. That they become museums and tourist attractions where people come. And many places we saw that subhanAllah you have someone just reciting either a, mic, a, tele, a cassette playing of some sort, mp3 or something, continuously, tilaw of the Qur'an happening. Just for it to sound nice. Other places, there's some person hired every couple hours to sit in front of the mic and read, alone. Right? He's just reading. And so when people come, it sounds like, like nice background sound. You have, you have tilawah being done. But where are the a'mal? These are, this is exactly what we fear. What happened, what Rasulullah SAW mentioned, masajiduhum amira, their masjids will be well built, وَيَخْرَابَ مِنَ الْهُدَىٰ And they'll be void of any guidance. Nothing come out of it. So this, the ummah will only be able to bring back its any t- t- glory if it wishes by coming back towards salah. But salah is not the name of ruku and sajda. It has to have ikhlas in it. It has to have iman in it. That's what ibadah is talking about. Is referring to iman and ikhlas. Otherwise, ten sufs of people who don't have concentration and devotion, ten sufs of people who don't have sincerity, is no good. If people are praying for the sake of their parents, no good. People are praying because the sake of the, everyone in the party is praying, so I have to stand up and pray at this party, otherwise I'll look out of place. That doesn't count. We have to pray for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So ibadah, yani here, ikhlas has to come. Otherwise it will just become another form of physical exercise. Khaira, And do much good in life so that you may succeed. What is khayr? Khayr is a very general word that includes all aspects of ibadah. But it came after salah. Meaning, after salah, after ikhlas, do every single good that includes that and everything else that has not been mentioned. Beloved brothers and sisters, khair is something which will always give you good. You will never suffer from it. For Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's command, every single command that's out there, it's only for our benefit. Say that the injunction of don't steal. Allah is telling you and I don't steal. You say, man, this injunction is hard. Allah says, don't cheat. Do not look at someone you're not supposed to look at. Do not look at someone with the eyes of lust. Do not look at haram. Do not look at someone else's spouse. These are injunctions. Do not look at someone else's wealth with the eyes of envy. But look, all of these commands that are coming to you are also coming to 7.99999 billion people as well. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala through these commands is protecting your money, your wealth, your spouse, your home, your business. Think about it like that. Say Islam is hard. No, Islam is not hard. Every aspect of Islam in reality is one command to me and that same command to 7.9999 billion people to the rest of the world. So in reality, every aspect of Islam is to make my life comfortable, to make my family life enjoyable, to make my business grow and flourish by protecting my business from people who cheat, from people who lie, from people who try to get me indulged into usury and interest, and the list goes on. What a nice way of understanding this. That every single aspect of the deen is khair. Khair means it's always khair. There's now a possibility that you will suffer if you follow the deen. Remember that. You might get tested, yes. And that's part of the test. 
Don't look and you don't have to look any further than the life of Rasulullah sallallahu that was filled with tests and trials and difficulties. But don't ever think that if you stay with the halal investment scheme, that you stay with halal income, that you stay with a halal marriage, that you stay with the halal way of leading life, that you will suffer. That you may be wrong. You can never go wrong. لَعَلَّكُمْ تُفْلِحُونَ So that you may succeed. Khair, goodness, following the deen will always take you to falah. And falah is what? قَدْ أَفْلَحَ الْمُؤْمِنُونَ Falah is success, not in this world only, which is a very short-lived world. It is rather falah in this dunya and falah in the akhirah. So the natural yani, trajectory of following the deen is success in this world the next. We, you and I have to have this yaqeen. That if any one of us were to win a 1.5 or 1.3 billion dollar Powerball, then wallahi al-azim, we have to have this yaqeen that his life will become miserable. In this world and in the akhirah. Yes. If our yaqeen is not there, we have something wrong. If you war with Allah, you indulge in lottery, you indulge in riba, how can you ever possibly have a smile on your face? That smile is fake. That's a smile of shaitan. That is made to make you feel good. But wallahi, this, this end of it will only be suffering and suffering. No Muslim should ever fall into this deception. That subhanAllah. I just saw an article, I didn't obviously read it. What are the chance, what, what, how, to make your, what, how to make your chances greater at winning the parable? Oh my God. What a fool would even you know, click that article. Right? Think about some people writing. What are the chances? How to make your chance greater at winning the parable? And the reason that just came to mind is that there are people, Muslim, weak Muslims, who will say, oh, it's 1.3 billion or whatever it is now. Let's try it. You spend one dollar in that, I promise you, you are warring with Allah. One dollar, 50 cents, doesn't make a difference. Disobedience of Allah, don't take it lightly. One cent in the disobedience of Allah is sufficient to destroy our dunya and akhirah. But that's the yaqeen you have to have. That in my life of poverty and difficulty, if I'm taking, I'm earning only halal, then there's success in this world and the next. And if I don't and I indulge in haram, that I can never ever think that I will achieve happiness. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then says, the last ayah of the surah, strive in the path of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Haqqa jihadi. Look we did. Haqqa tuqati. Haqqa qadri. And so haqqa jihadi. Don't just fear Allah. Don't just appreciate Allah. Don't just strive in the path of Allah. No. To the level that is required. That's the key thing. To the level that is required. Because all of us say we, do, we, we are struggling. We all say, mashallah, we have taqwa. We all say we have iman. Mashallah. The, why are things not moving the way it's supposed to move? Because we're not doing it the amount that we have to. Like the example the ulama give when you dig a well. If water is at 80 feet, you can dig at 20 and stop, 25, 30, 40. You can dig at 79 and stop. You're not going to hit water until you hit 80. Similarly, whatever taqwa and iman a person has, it's, if it's not at the degree that is required from us, it's not going to be sufficient. So instead of being content at the degree of faith and taqwa you and I have, we have to constantly be working on trying to achieve the level that is required from us. Hence, let us listen to this ayah. Strive, O believers, for the sake of Allah to uphold His commandments with the kind of striving that is thoroughly worthy of Him. Wow, that's heavy, that's deep. Ask yourselves, what level of, of mujahada are we doing? Following Islam is tough. I'm trying, man, I'm trying. How much are you trying? When, you're, when the son or daughter comes, Baba, I failed, but I tried. Teacher says to a student, how much did you try, my friend? Last night you were at the game. All this morning you were you're, you're, you're sleeping. What do you mean you tried? 
One minute of trying and you fail and you say, I tried, does not work. You have to try such a trying that is sufficient that you think is actually going to bring you the mercy of Allah Azza For it is He alone who has chosen you for this faith. What an honor. Every one of us who has La ilaha illallah on his tongue and in his heart understand just like Allah chose the prophets, Allah has chosen every one of us. Without your effort, my effort. Every single one of us has been chosen by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to be not only believers, but from the ummah of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. وَمَا جَعَلَ عَلَيْكُمْ فِي الدِّينِ مِنْ حَرَجٍ And then, remember Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has not placed on you any undue strain in your religion. Allah kira. Allah is saying He has not made your deen difficult. The one who says deen is challenging, too difficult, I can't follow it. He's going against this verse of the Qur'an. Allah Himself is saying that Allah Azza wa Jal has not made the deen difficult for you. Yes, agar karnanahu. If you don't have to do it, bahane hazar. If you don't want to do it, then you have a thousand excuses. That's a different thing. It's not hard. Just like our children say, it's too hard to take out the garbage out. What do you mean it's too hard? You don't want to do it, it's a different thing. How hard is it to take from the garage to outside? Simple thing. Every aspect of the deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, it will be easy for the one who Allah makes it easy for. And Allah will make it easy for you if you want to do it. If you want to please Him, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will make things easy for you. He Himself says, وَلَوْ شَاءَ اللَّهُ لَأَعْنَتَكُمْ If Allah wanted, He could have put you into difficulty. يُرِيدُ اللَّهُ بِكُمُ الْيُسْرِ Allah wants ease for you. وَلَا يُرِيدُ بِكُمْ عُسْرِ And Allah does not want difficulty for you. How many other verses should I share with you? Deen is easy. Deen is easy does not mean you go do haram. This is another explanation that people nowadays say, we can do whatever we want, follow the nafs because deen is easy. Yeah, this is what we hear. This is not what we're saying. Do what you're supposed to do, and as long as you're sincere in it, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will automatically start facilitating. I know the journey of many of you sitting here. How many sacrifices you have done to reach where you are today? Many of our students, many of our musallis. If an outsider were to listen to your story, say, I can't believe this. But mashallah, I know what, what enjoyment you're getting in the life you have now, compared to your past life. And it's been a difficult journey for an outsider. But for you, you've never been more happy than you are now. Because you've given up so many things. Allah is the one who's facilitating that for you. Millata abikum Ibrahim. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has says that this deen, yani alzimu millata abikum Ibrahim, hold on to your, the deen of your father Ibrahim. He is the father of all of us, the spiritual father of all of us. It is a sacred way of your forefather Ibrahim from the previous ayah. And it is he alone who has in honor named you Muslims. Min qabl, in the scriptures of the past, wa fi hadha, and has named you Muslim in this Quran as well. And what is the end? لِيَكُونَ الرَّسُولُ شَهِيدًا عَلَيْكُمْ So that the Prophet ﷺ may be a witness to Allah's truth before all of you. وَتَكُونُوا شُهَدَاءَ عَلَى النَّاسِ And so that you may in turn be a witness to the revealed truth before all people. Meaning, on the day of judgment, Allah will say to Rasulullah ﷺ, and He said in this world, اللَّهُمَّ اشْهَدْ He said, أَلَا هَلْ بَلَّغْتْ إِنْ حَجَّةُ الْوِدَاعِ O people, did I not convey my message? And they said, Ya Rasulullah, yes, you have conveyed the message. And they said, Allahumma shahad. Oh Allah, please be a witness to what these 124,000 people are saying. They're all saying that I have done my job. So on the day of judgment, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam will say, I've done, I've done my job. But the other prophets, they, have, they will be belied by their communities. Nuh alayhi salam, Lut alayhi salam, all of them, their communities say, no, this, he's lying. There's, he never came and in, invited us. So then Allah azza wa will say, okay, all of you, you make this claim. Now let me bring some counterclaim. And then the ummah of Rasulullah, not even Rasulullah, the ummah, you and I, inshaAllah, will be called. And say, you all speak up. 
Did, did Nuh and Lut do their job, السلام, and the rest of the prophets? And we'll say, yes, Allah. And these people say, Ya Allah, who are these people? Where did they come from? They came thousands of years afterwards. How dare they come and speak about what happened during our time? And we will respond, and Allah will respond that no, we had a prophet, the most truthful of prophets, the most truthful of the book we received. And we tell you what we have been told by Allah, that the prophets came and they did their job and you all decided not to listen. And our words will be accepted. And this will be to show the honor of the ummati of Rasulullah. That you on the day of judgment will be allowed, all of you sitting here and the rest of our parents and our generations will be on the witness stand on the day of judgment. Right? Standing up and saying, the prophets did their work. This is the honor Allah is giving you and I because we are from the ummah of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Again, Allah ends this beautiful surah repeating the aspect of ibadah, salah especially. فَأَقِيمُ الصَّلَاةِ Establish it. Now just pray it. Establish it. Pray it with salah with jama'ah. Pray with concentration and devotion. وَآتُ zakah. Make sure you take fulfill the, the حقوق and the rights of your fellow human beings by discharging the zakat. وَأَعْتَصِمُ بِاللَّهِ And hold fast to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the commands of Allah. Remain united. Do not fight with one among, amongst other, one another. But rather, have the book of Allah and the deen be the uniting force amongst you. Don't, you do not unite on falsehood. Unite on the truth. Why should you not unite on his message? For indeed, he alone is your patron. We don't need any other alliance. No one else, even they claim to be our helpers and our patrons, can truly help us in the least. You and I have to have this conviction. If you stand with Allah, Allah will take care of you. If you stand with anyone else, Allah will leave you. And Allah will forsake you and I. And this is what the ummah is seeing today. Whenever we try to take the support of someone else, Allah says, okay, let's see how far you can run with these guys. فَنِعْمَ الْمَوْلَى وَنِعْمَ النَّصِيرِ Then how commendably blessed a patron is Allah and how commendably blessed a supporter. What an amazing, powerful way to end this Surah Al-Hajj where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying, how have you found, like I spoke about earlier today, have you found anyone better than me? Have you found any God better than I? Why are you leaving me? Same thing. Have you found any supporter better than I? Have you found any patron better than I? And the answer is no. So then why not turn back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala collectively and ask Him to be our supporter. Ya Allah, we are yours, you become ours. Ya Allah, we are yours, you become ours. Inshallah ta'ala, we will conclude our, with our dua after Salatul Aisha. We'll begin Aisha now, Adhan and Qama. And then we'll do the, our dua for the completion of Surah Al-Hajj. Ya Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, accept all of you who've, who've come regularly for the past 12 sessions. And those who are listening regularly online as well. May Allah give us tawfiq to, uh, to practice. May Allah allow myself and all of us to practice on what we heard and shared. May Allah save us from having this as a proof against us on the Day of Judgment. And may Allah give us istiqamah to continue to attend and benefit inshallah from next week inshallah we'll be moving on to the next surah we'll let you know throughout the week inshallah what that next surah will be inshallah subhanallah bihamdi subhanakallah bihamdi inshallah la ilaha illa ant astaghfiruka wa natubu ilayk wa assalamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh